Welcome to Isms That Cause Schisms, a podcast ministry of Calvary Global Network. I'm your host, Celeste. I am in studio with Pastor Jeff Geip and Professor Brian Nixon. One more time, we are wrapping up our short series, focusing on several great isms that have been hard at work causing divisions in our society, churches, relationships. Gentlemen, this has been such an enlightening series. I feel like we've started some really valuable discussions so far. Celeste, we want to publicly thank you <laughs> for the work. Honestly, you you were just a pro. It was seamless. <laughs> you, you kept us on task. And Lord knows Jeff and I could get off on tangents. <laughs> yes, we can. And you, I said it the other day, she's like a rose between two very old thorns. Yes, Aww. that's right. The gray, the gray haired guy. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure on my end. Um, I've, I think I've said that several times and I mean it. So in this uh, final episode here, Pastor Jeff, you're going to walk us through, as I've been thinking, you're going to hashtag bless us with some <laughs> biblical perspectives just to kind of round out this discussion. Um, with all these things that we've been talking about, these divides and the isms and how it looks in church and relationships. What are your kind of thoughts as we're wrapping things up here? Yeah, so as I stated at the beginning, um, this letter was written by an older gentleman to young people, you know, precisely a son. If you if you read Ecclesiastes, <coughs> Ecclesiastes 12, yeah. <laughs> don't know where that came from. Um so when you when you think about it in that perspective, that's the heart that I really wanted to come through in this podcast is that, hey, we've got a couple older guys. We're both fathers. We're both grandfathers. We've lived life. We've experienced life from different perspectives. Um, I was cracking up when I asked Brian to be part of this because, as I stated from the beginning, I got the capitalism and the hedonism and those sorts of things, but I don't have the other side. I said, really, the two of us make one Solomon. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> this is really, this is really good. And, yeah. and so I just, and I also, and at the introduction had mentioned that there were people said there was little theology in this book hmm. um, compared to the philosophy in which we've been talking about. And that's true. But I also stated that the theology in this book is huge. Yeah. So what I want to do is I'm going to give you the seven passages that really show the theology of this book. Um, and then we're going to discuss passages. I don't think that we'll get through all of them. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to start up and give every those so they can do their own study, which we want you to do on all of these things. Yes. Um, and then at the end, I'll give the, I'll give the passages again so they can have notes. So we're going to be looking at Ecclesiastes 2, verses 24 through 26, chapter 3, verses 12 through 14, chapter 3, verse 22, chapter 4, verses 9 through 12, chapter 5, uh, verses 17 through 19, and chapter 12, verses 9 through 10 and 11 through 12. And so the first one is, um, we've all been talking about the fear of God in that transcendence. And so as we go through these scriptures, just looking at it from an above the sun perspective mm -hmm. and where Solomon is coming through these. And the first one is Ecclesiastes chapter two, verses 24 through 26. And I love this. So I decided there's nothing better than to enjoy food and drink and to find satisfaction in work. Then I realized that these pleasures are from the hand of God. For who can eat or enjoy anything apart from him? God gives wisdom, knowledge, and joy to those who please him. Mm. And so just quickly, because 
this is this is like Brian on steroids. And so I want to give him ample time. But just to point out a couple things is that we are to enjoy life. If we if God has blessed us and helped us to become um, wealthy, we're to use that wealth to enjoy it and yeah. and to look at how we're using that wealth and giving to others is nothing more joyful. Jesus yeah. said it himself, right? It is better to give than it is to receive. And so when we have that heart and it says a joy to those who please him. And I think this is important. You know, when we think about pleasing God, what pleases God more? Does he care about how many people we save in our lifetime? Does he care about how many good works we do? Sure, he cares about those things, but you know what he cares about? He cares about a relationship, true fellowship with us. Yep. I and mean, so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> totally. I, I, I've been saying this to my women's Bible study, and I think they're so sick of me saying it, but I'm like, the theme that I see from God over and over again, Old Testament, New Testament, is at the end of every time. It's so that they may know that I am God. Like everything is just pointing to the whole point of life is that we know God. It's everything else. You know, sometimes people get washed up in all oh, these promises in Scripture and I want prosperity and I want this, you know, but that's not it. That's not the thing. Those are some of the blessings that might mm -hmm. that God that's might right. bestow. But it's about knowing God and we can get caught up in these isms. You know, and they, they yeah. can they can seep in and just distract us massively. So true, Celeste. Yeah, yeah I agree. Keep going, Jeff. Please. Oh, no. Sorry, you're I, just inspiring no, no. all these I, thoughts. I no, mean. no, no. <laughs> We're not letting you off the hook. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is like your wheelhouse, yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> we no. want to hear from you. <laughs> yeah. Let, let, let me say that on that, you know, and I love that you use that scripture text, Jeff, because really what it comes down to. I think from a, a more philosophical mm -hmm. side of things, because I've been representing the, you know, the, the worldview or the definition side is a right ordering of the good life or a proper understanding of what in philosophy we call the transcendentals. And I know that's a big word and it sounds kind of weird, but the transcendentals historically understood, and this goes back 2000 plus years in Western thought, and even, even elements of it in Eastern thought. And those transcendentals are truth, beauty, and goodness. And of course, they translated themselves into the educational realm of truth, you know, being science, beauty being the arts, and goodness being ethics or morals or religion. But historically, they were all together, you know, and, and biblically, they are attributes of God. God is a God of truth, he's a God of beauty, and he's a God of goodness. And goodness is connected to his benevolence, his love. Mm -hmm. And so, so I think when we're dealing with all of these isms, and, and for our listeners who, who may have just tuned in, yeah. the isms we've covered so far are scientism, intellectualism, hedonism, materialism, existentialism, capitalism, religionism, and humanism. All of those isms in one way or another boil down to either a distortion or misunderstanding of God's truth, beauty, and goodness. So what is truth? Well, science is saying one thing or humanity is saying one thing. What is beauty? Well, hedonism, you know, is, elevates it over above other things. What is goodness? And, you know, the abuse is thereof, maybe in capitalism and all of these things. So it's the right ordering of truth, beauty, 
and goodness. Now, this isn't a time to expound upon all of those, you know, in, in depth. Maybe, maybe future broadcasts or podcasts, we, we will take each of these and, and, and dig deeper. But who knows? But for now, what we could say truth from a biblical standpoint is that God the Father is true. You know, we, we read that in Deuteronomy 32. Jesus Christ is truth. John 14, 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, the life. Jesus says the Holy Spirit is truth, the spirit of truth. He will guide you into all truth. And then we find also from Scripture that the word is truth. Psalm 119, 160, um, 160. Your word is truth. And then inferred within that is in the beginning God created. Creation also can demonstrate or show God's truth. So in a classical sense, truth is what corresponds to reality, what what really is. Truth, in a way, tells it like it is. It corresponds to the facts. It matches the object. So we have to have a right understanding of truth. And then that goes the same thing with beauty. And again, I, I don't have the time to really unpack it, but beauty um, really boils down to three things. The ontology, that the fact that something is, it's a gift from God. So everything has elements of beauty. Even if you think, no, you mean snakes, you know, have elements of beauty? Yes, they do because they are. They're, they're a gift yeah. created by God, Yeah. you, you know, for, for that. And so there's ontologies, there, there's the teleology, it's form and function of, of what it is. And then my understanding of that form and function, how I understand it. So I, I always joke and I, I share this um, with uh, Jeff that the famous Dada into a, a, a well-known artist by the name Marcel Duchamp, mm -hmm. he, he would always say, look at something long enough and it'll be beauty. Hmm. You know, you'll find it beautiful. And it's true. Even something you find ugly. If you stare at it long enough, go, well, actually, I kind of like that color. And then I, I understand <laughs> yeah. that, that form. And its function. So, so the ontology, the fact that it is, has being, mm -hmm. the teleology, but all of that then could really elevate and move up to transcendence, where we could see its creation, its being, and how that could point us to God. So beauty, the right ordering of beauty, understanding beauty, and then goodness really is the right ordering of goodness, finding that goodness is connected to God's character and his his being. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you, you know, so beauty is good and true, and and goodness is both beautiful and true. Mm -hmm. And and so they're all, they're all working in, in there, but it's the highest and ultimate good. Right. And ultimately, Christ is the highest and ultimate good. Right. And so that's why we keep saying, as human beings, look to Christ as our example, mm -hmm. as who we're to imitate, as the Lord, as Savior, that is that is our example par excellence, mm -hmm. and and so I think again the right ordering of the good life is a proper understanding of truth, beauty, and goodness. Mm -hmm. So there, I said my spiel. Aren't you glad I pushed him? Yes. <laughs> and by the way, just just a quick, Lindsay. Snakes are beautiful. I just heard that. Uh, <laughs> There's an inside joke. It's Sorry. An inside Who even joke. is Lindsay? I, yeah, see, yeah. I wanted to say my nine-year-old niece loves snakes. Yeah. All she wants are stuffed animal snakes. And I'm like, how? Because she's precious. She's yeah. my little soul sister. Yeah. 
She likes snakes. Yeah. They're terrifying. She found the beauty. Yeah, that's, that's right. exactly right. And, and, and that's what I'm saying. So in the teleological sense, she understands their form and function and has discovered their beauty. Not everyone does. So there is a objective. Beauty, by the way, is objective. Mm-hmm. But there's a subjective nature to it because everyone has their own understanding of its form and function. Mm-hmm. So wow. anyway, that is that is a little bit of the philosophy side of things. You yeah. know, we really could just dive so deep into these things but in the interest of time let's let's move on to that next you you had a list of verses yes um i'm already learning that we're not going to get through all these you said that you said that (laughs) at the beginning of the episode so and there's one i'll i'm going to try one more i'll go in order but i may have to jump order in a minute but the second one that we're going to read and look at is ecclesiastes chapter 3 verses 9 through 14 What do people really get for all their hard work? I have seen the burden God has placed on all. All. Mm -hmm. And I love that John Corson used to say, all is all, and that's all all means. So all, (laughs) right? Yet God has made everything beautiful in its own time, just as we Mm -hmm. were talking about that. He has planted eternity in the heart, in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. So I concluded, there is nothing better than to be happy and to enjoy ourselves as long as we can. And people should eat and drink and enjoy the fruits of their labor, for these are the gift from God. And I know that whatever God does is final. There's so much in here, but the one I want to draw our attention to, because we just talked about beauty, but the next one is that God has planted eternity in our hearts. Mm -hmm. You know, when he's talking about in our hearts, he's talking about all people. So all people have a desire and a drive to experience life, to to experience goodness, to to live life to Mm -hmm. its fullest, right? Everybody wants that. And so there's eternity has been planted into or put into our hearts. But Solomon's answer to that is the only way we'll truly experience that is with God. Mm -hmm. So people that don't know Jesus, and maybe there's people listening right now that don't know Jesus, and you have a desire for enjoyment and peace and prosperity in life. Well, you can have it by just knowing Jesus. Mm -hmm. It doesn't take all the fluff of fancy cars and all those different things. All of that is delusionment. Mm-hmm. What takes, what it just takes is a relationship with Jesus. And, and I, I just love that. We are to enjoy life though. Mm-hmm. And I have seen in the church that there's a lot of, um, Martin Lloyd Jones in his book. Um, I can't think of the name of it, but he called them miserable Christians. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, is it called, what was the name of that? Spiritual depression. Depression. Or, yes. Yeah. Oh. And, uh, and I just, and he has that English voice, miserable Christians. <laughs> and, <laughs> and we see a lot of that today. And that's because yeah. God's put this in our heart, yeah. but we're not experiencing it the way that he would like. Us yeah. To. I think one of the characteristics of the Christian should be joy. And joy is, is I think in one of the podcasts, you, Jeff, you point out that, that it's, it's more than just happiness. It's an internal, you know, long lasting, you, you may not be happy, but you still have joy. Mm -hmm. And so I think joy should be overflowing from our life because again, Christ gave us life abundantly and it should be overflowing. That doesn't mean we're fake. 
That doesn't mean like when you're down and out and things are going really bad in your life that, oh, you know, put on the fake Christian face. I'm not saying that. But deep down inside, you you have joy because you understand life is a gift from God. And you understand the right ordering of the good life of truth and uh, the right understanding of beauty and the right understanding of goodness. All these things we've been talking about in with these isms. So it, it, spot on. I mean, I, I think um, uh, the writer of, of Ecclesiastes, Solomon, or the school of Solomon, um, they're giving us a lot to think about. Yeah. So, I mean, follow-up question to that, because I, I want to know if you think it would be fair to say that if you're not experiencing joy as a Christian, it's possible that one of these isms has kind of taken the wheel and it might be, you know, time to really look at that and and see if maybe you've been taken captive in some of your thoughts, you know, of maybe that could be. It's a good point. I mean, you know, we go back to the episode we did on existentialism and you, you brought up Celeste, you know, people who say I have an existential <laughs> crisis. Yeah. And, and you're right. It, it, it Maybe their perspective has been yeah. put off. I mean, because genuinely, as we've been going through these, I've been saying, oh, there's some materialism. Oh, there's mm-hmm. some religionism there for me. So I've been doing my own self-checks here. So I, I don't want anyone listening to feel like, you know, we're just hounding on, we're doing it all wrong. But like, you know, yeah. we all have to do these yeah. things. Yeah. And, and I've definitely been I am so happy that you said that. Yeah. Because it is. It's one of the things that I measure my faith by. Mm-hmm. When I'm depressed, when I'm mad, when I'm upset, when I have no joy, there's not something wrong with God or there's not something wrong with the things around me. The thing that's wrong is me because I'm not trusting God, Hmm. you know, and it gets down to that. I love what J.I. Packer wrote. He wrote an article called The Joy of Ecclesiastes, and this is what he said. Ecclesiastes is one of the Old Testament's five wisdom books. It has been said that Psalms teach us how to worship, Proverbs how to behave, uh, Job how to suffer, Song of, Song of Solomon how to love, and Ecclesiastes how to live. Mm-hmm. How? With realism and reverence, with hum- humility and restraint, coolly and contentedly, in wisdom and in joy. And so... Mic drop. I mean, uh, he, <laughs> I mean honestly, he summarized... Uh, uh, Ecclesiastes is beautiful. It, it is. It's the it's the right ordering of our life. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, on on your point there, you know, Celeste, I think we all do need house cleaning. You know, and and when Jeff brought this um, series up to me and said, "Hey, would you participate?" I thought, well, sure. It's a great way to educate people about the isms, but more than that, it's a way to look at my life, mm-hmm. the rooms in my life, and go. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of, you know, hedonism over here, Mm. or there's a lot of existentialism over here, or I'm sure trusting on intellectualism over here, and really just saying, okay, Lord, clean, wash, and let me place my trust fully and solely on you and order my life in accordance with Christ. Yeah, because if you can differentiate and name it, and not get confused of the voices in your head of that's my conscience, or maybe that's the Lord telling me that. And you can name, oh, that's actually hedonism. Yeah. You know, then you can kind of, that can clear the air a little bit yeah. and, and help. So yeah, it, it shows where, where our propensities are. I mean, that's the beauty of this book is, is here's the propensities. Here's all mm-hmm. the things mm-hmm. and learning from another individual, be it Solomon or the school of Solomon uh, of writers, mm-hmm. it, you learn from individuals who kind of walk through life. And I love what Jeff said is, 
you know, here we are. Jeff and I are middle-aged men, maybe a little older than middle-aged. <laughs> and and we're, we we can look back and go, yep, I tried that. Yep, I, yeah, oh, yeah, I did that. You know, Jeff, you know, brought up, you know, that capitalism and, and, and hedonism and whatever. Well, I could say, you know, for me, it was maybe the intellectualism. I, I love the fact that, you know, I you know, I'll be the smartest guy in the room and, 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 you know, oh yeah, whatever you say, that's like little kitty stuff. Let me tell you really where it's at. Mm. But what I've learned over the course of life, I mean, knowing something's fine, good, but really it's, it's the humility Mm. and love because at the end of the day, and I'm on my deathbed, I don't think people are going to be standing around me going, oh, Brian, you know, you just knew so much or so little <laughs> or you, you could do this and do that. N- no, the people that are going to be surrounding me, I, I hope and pray, would be people who would say he loved me. You know, he did, he did his best to care for me and he, he tried to develop relations with me. And those are the things that people are going to stick to because there's a reason why the Bible says God is love. And there's a reason why the fruit of the Spirit is love. Mm -hmm. And there's a reason why Paul bent over backwards to define for us love. And there's a reason why Jesus says, they will know you by your love. Mm -hmm. And there's a reason why John and Peter and, you know, the list could go on. Love, 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 love. Because that is the reigning fruit of the Spirit that should be flowing from our life in all of these situations. Beautiful. Beautifully stated. All right, the next one. Do it. Maybe we can be more brief. Yeah. I know, I'll try. <laughs> Sorry. We'll, we'll <laughs> steer, steer the ship. <laughs> it says, uh, Ecclesiastes 3.22, So I saw that there was nothing better for people to be happy in their work. That is our lot in life. And no one can bring us back to see what happened after we die. I know it's short, but there's so much in here. Yeah. And I want to talk about the issue of work. Mm-hmm. Everybody works. Now, it's interesting because I don't know if anybody realizes this, but God created the heavens and the earth in six days, right? On the sixth day, after each day of creation, he said, he looked at creation and said, oh, that's good. Oh, that's good. Oh, yeah, that's good. But when it got to the animal life and mankind, he goes, oh, man, that's very good, Right. And then on the seventh day, he rested. He looked at all creation. He saw it was good. Has anybody ever thought about the very first place God put man? No. Mm -hmm. In the garden Mm -hmm. to work. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So this is is important because we, where work, work can, that word that is used for work there. Mm -hmm. um, I don't remember the Hebrew word. Do you? It's probably not important. No. My my brain is stuck on create uh, on bara, but uh, yeah. uh, I'll get I'll get to work here in a minute. But it's the same word used most of the time as worship. Mm-hmm. Wow! It's the same word. So okay. work. God intended our workplace to be a place to where we could walk daily through the garden with Him and worship Him. Mm-hmm. And so this is what God's intention was. Now the consequence of sin, we see that it was work became labor. Right. Uh, right. Dry uh, weeds and tilling the ground. And and so we look at that. But just my my encouragement, because this is this is my passion. You can probably see this 
welling up, yes. welling up in me right now <laughs> is being a businessman and seeing God do amazing things through my work. Our little, our, we, I pastored a little church for 15 years and they used to joke with me because I would share all those stories of salvation stories through work. And they'd say, were more people born again at your workplace than they were at the church? And I would just laugh. I would laugh because it was true. Yeah. And, and I look back and I'm like, because we looked at work, my partner and I looked at work as a way of worship and every single day. So yeah, we, we all have to work. We have to earn income. We have to do these things, but to look at it as a ways and means to worship God and also to witness to others, mm. which kind of brings us to the next one. And this is the one I didn't want us to get away with. And I really want to hear comments on it because they kind of meet together. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. Keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two um, can withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Mm-hmm. You know, this is one of those eight areas you know i don't know how many times i've used that verse in a wedding Mm -hmm. so we all know Mm -hmm. it's used for a wedding it wasn't written for a wedding (laughs) it was written written for life that this is just the truth about life and that fellowship and partnership Mm -hmm. is so important um in the christian life and it's important because true communion you know we look at communion and we say it's an act of communion well that word koinonia is used like 22 times in the new testament Mm -hmm. 12 of those times or two of those times is for the act of communion Uh, 12 of those times it's the act of fellowship Mm -hmm. so when paul's writing that word he's thinking this is important Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but the word is not just fellowship with god it's fellowship with god and with one Mm -hmm. another the church, it's always talked about in plural. It's people working together in fellowship. Yeah. And that starts from the Godhead. Uh, fellowship, koinonia, the, the, the word that Paul uses, um, is connected to a theological term called parakahesis. And parakahesis is not one of those theological words that we hear often, but it's a word we definitely should know. And that's the mutual exchange of love among the Godhead the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so there was a mutual, though they were one, one, you know, in essence, they were three distinct persons. And that mutual fellowship, that mutual exchange of love, that community in in the Godhead was then echoed throughout his creation because he is a God of love and a God of fellowship and a God of, 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 of community. Mm-hmm. That then is seen and imparted in creation and particularly with human beings. But we see it in the animal world and, you know, forests with trees and so on and so forth. So that is a, a theological truth about God's nature that is translated and echoed throughout creation. And it's essential because it's essential to who God's nature is. Mm. And we were created in his image and likeness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So we are to take that nature, and I'm going to mess up the definition of this, but that imago Dei, Mm -hmm. you know, is that God created us in his image and likeness, giving us divine attributes. 
And we, we are, as Christians, to make visible the invisible attributes of our Creator and Redeemer. You know, and so that's why we're image bearers, and that's why it's so important that we walk in fellowship with one another. Mm, so good. But Celeste, yes. before we close, and I know you're going to wrap us up again, <laughs> on behalf of Jeff and I, we thank you for, for hosting us to keeping us on. And Jeff, thank you for such a great idea. And we really do hope our listeners will be blessed and encouraged. So Jeff, let's use this last minute to just give them contact information, how they could reach out to you. And I know Celeste did at the the top of one of the broadcasts, but mm-hmm. but tell us how they could reach Pastor Jeff Guype and, and get more information or maybe even get a hold of these podcasts. Yeah, um, two ways is uh, my you can go to my website, which is www.jeffguype.com. Pretty easy. Is and it Jeff E. Guype? Oh, Jeff E. Guype. Thank don't you. Oh, e. yeah. Don't forget the E. <laughs> Just don't call me Jeff E. Uh, <laughs> or you can email me at Jeff E. Guype at calvarychapel.com. Those are two areas. Um, if you go to my website, you uh, you will be brought into a book I wrote. And the book was really birthed out of this whole idea uh, where Paul says it's called Contented mm-hmm. um, in All Things Peace. And where Paul said, I've learned to be content in all these things. And I kind of just go through how, how Paul may have thought through those things. And then, um, yeah, what was the other thing you said? It, it, like if it, it, where this podcast may be found so they could right. share it with other other individuals. Right. So um, for sure on Spotify will be coming up. And there's other places that... Calvary Global Network. Calvary maybe. Global what, Network. The, it'll be on the... The Calvary uh, Chapel website. Right. CalvaryGlobalNetwork.com or CalvaryChapel.com. Either one. Uh, we'll point you to the podcast through uh, Calvary Global Network. Well, so. beautiful. Thank you, gentlemen, so much for sharing such what I like to call hard-earned wisdom. You know, <laughs> I know that you've lived epic lives. You've had so many experiences, and I feel so privileged to actually just be here in the room with you and just glean from that. And I hope our listeners uh, feel the same way, too. And on that note, um, we hope that We've achieved the goal here to, mm-hmm. to help show you that there is a beautiful and balanced approach to each ism um, and that unity is the goal. Jesus is the goal. And, you know, that's where our efforts you know, need to be focused. So, again, thank you guys for your time. Definitely check out those resources that Pastor Jeff laid out. And on behalf of Pastor Jeff and Professor Brian, I'm Celeste. Thanks for joining us on Isms That Cause Schisms. We'll see you. The gospel is the hope of the world, and the world needs more gospel-centered churches. That's why Cultivate by CGN exists. I'm Clay Worrell, Executive Director of CGN, and I'm here with my friend, Pastor Nick Cady. We want to take a moment to let you know about the Cultivate Church Planter Training Program. Cultivate has created the infrastructure to support the planting of 1,000 new churches in the next decades, starting in 2023. We follow in the footsteps of renowned church planters in the Calvary Chapel movement, embracing and adopting 
adopting their rich heritage of church planting in order to transmit our values, theology, and philosophy of ministry to this generation and for those to come. You know, as church planters ourselves, we understand that planting a church is not an easy task, but we believe it's an essential one. That's why we've created a range of resources to help you and your team prepare for the journey ahead. Our resources are personal, practical, and pastoral. Our program is from six to 24 months and is designed to equip you to lead a gospel-centered community wherever God has called you around the world. We also have a global team of mentors and coaches with thousands of hours of experience planting and pastoring churches, and they're ready to support you in the training phase, the launch phase, and in the post-launch phase of planting a church. With our guidance and support, you can feel confident in your ability to engage the world for Christ. Are you ready to answer the call of church planting? Together we can make a difference and bring the hope of the gospel to communities around the world. If you're ready to take the next steps and learn more about our church planting program, we invite you to visit our website at cultivatechurchplanting.com.